0: And as you take your seats, let me ask you a question. Have you made your Christmas playlist yet? And if you have, then how do you decide which songs are in and which songs are out? I think it's particularly complicated if you're making a Christmas playlist with other people, maybe as part of a group or as a household, How do you settle on which is in, which is out? Which songs are going to make the cut? Well, the very first Christmas had its own playlist. The preparation for and the arrival of Jesus was surrounded by songs. And we're going to listen in to one of those songs this evening. It's known as Zechariah's song. If you want to just flip back in your order of service, it's the reading that we've just had from Luke chapter 1. And we're going to spend some time listening in to this song because Zechariah was a person who found comfort at Christmas. Now, it's fair to say, isn't it, to, to, to truly and to fully appreciate any kind of song, really we need to know the story behind the song. And were we to watch the story behind Zechariah's song, then maybe we'd hear the background music changing, the camera would pan away from the capital city and out into the hill country of Judea away from the hustle and the bustle of Jerusalem. And as the camera zoomed in, it would zoom in on this faithful couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were a faithful, godly couple. And yet they lived with a deep heartache, the deep heartache of being childless. And they were not young in years, and so... It was likely that any hope that they had had of having a family of their own had been extinguished many years ago. And the voiceover in this story behind the song said segment would tell us that Zechariah was a priest. And we would hear in particular, all about one occasion, one special occasion, when Zechariah had been appointed to go into the inner court of the temple to offer incense. Now this would be the pinnacle, the high point in the career for any priest. It was a once in a lifetime privilege to be asked to do this. And so we can imagine, can't we, Zechariah's eyes being wide open as he entered, as he stepped into that part of the temple to offer the incense, his eyes wide open, trying to take in everything, the sights, the aromas, trying to take it all in so he could remember it and and recall it to Elizabeth when he returned home. Now, we don't know the exact content of the prayers that over the years this faithful couple had been praying. No doubt, Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for a child of their own throughout their lives. They would certainly have been praying for the redemption of their people, to be saved from their enemies, for the Lord to rescue them and bless them once more. They they longed to be comforted. Well, God had heard their prayers, And God was about to answer them in dramatic fashion. Because in the temple, an angel appeared to Zechariah. And understandably, Zechariah was gripped with fear. But the angel explained that God had heard their prayers. And that they will have a son. That they were to name him John. And the angel told them that God had special plans and purposes for their son. He was going to make ready a people to prepare them for the arrival of the Lord. Well, Zechariah's response to the angel was an all-too-human mixture of fear and faith and unbelief. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. God's promises Should have been enough for him. But it seemed impossible in their circumstances. So Zechariah was to experience censure, but mercy too. He experienced judgment, but there was grace in the mix as well. The angel tells him, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Can you remember what you were doing on the 10th of March this year? To jog your memory, it was just two weeks before we changed the clocks. Can you remember what you were doing on the 10th of March this year? Checked in our diary, nothing particularly significant, we, we had the oven cleaned, that was, was about it, the highlight of the day, nothing too special, but I wonder, can you remember what you were doing around the 10th of March? Well now imagine that you had, had been silent from then until this evening, because that's nine months, that's the length of time that Zechariah had been silenced imagine all of that time to think to ponder to reflect to think about what he would say when his speech did return the day the hours the days the weeks the months silence for the whole of the pregnancy Well, that's part one of the story behind the song. And we need to understand this story behind the song so that we can understand the comfort that they found at Christmas. Well, fast forward nine months, and it's part two of the story behind the song. As the background music changes pace, there's a tone of anticipation and celebration and the cameras zoom in and we join the drama of their family they're all gathered round for Zechariah and Elizabeth as they for their son's circumcision and naming and we're going to hear what happened then as Claire reads this section of Luke's gospel for us
1: When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to the circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, He is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened, and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him.
0: Taylor Humphrey is a California-based Instagrammer, and she is a baby name influencer. And according to newspaper reports, she is able to charge up to $30,000 to help parents choose the right name for their child. For these top tier clients, she carries out brand strategy development, gets feedback from think tanks, and creates a video or book to tell the story of how the baby got got its name. Now don't worry, for parents not in that tier, then for only $350, you can be supplied with a list of 15 names, or you can get feedback on your existing list if you have one of those, and that will be based on your preferences, tastes, and values. Well, in the society that Luke was writing about, a child's name always came from someone in the family. So there was no wonder that it was quite a jolt for the neighbours and the relatives to hear Elizabeth say, no, he's, he's to be called John. And then they then turn to Zechariah and they are even more astounded when he writes on a tablet to affirm that indeed, this child's name is to be John. And I can tell you that that is a great name. <laughs> In my entirely neutral opinion... And there's no charge for that. (laughs) Well, as we survey this scene, we can tell that something was stirring here. The spiritual imaginations of the family, the relatives, the neighbors that were around were being stirred. They were filled with awe. And they wondered out loud, who is this child going to grow up to be? And the answer is given to us as the background music fades out. And as Zechariah himself steps forward and finally begins his song. And Zechariah, in his song, gives us four ways in which God brings comfort at Christmas. You can follow along in that song with me as I talk us through it. Firstly, a people redeemed. It begins, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Zechariah is saying that God is coming. He is the one that we've been waiting for. You know, people living in Israel in the first century longed for deliverance from the Romans. They were desperate for their distress to be relieved. They lived in the very dark days of Herod the Great, whose casual brutality was backed up by the might of all the Roman Empire. And sadly, we don't have to look too far to see people in similar distress today, all around our broken world. And the ruling powers in the first century, just as the ruling powers in our day were immense. And yet God did not come to the powerful, but to the weak. He didn't come to those who were great and mighty, but to those who were poor and humble. And the God that Zechariah was so excited about is the God who redeems his people. And yet the display of God's strength isn't in an immediate realignment of the political powers of the day. But rather, true salvation, which has a much deeper significance. One of our readings earlier from Matthew tells us that Joseph was to give Mary's child the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means rescuer. He will save his people from their sins. Well, this new king that was coming into the world was a different kind of king. A king with a different kind of definition of power and strength and might. The second way that God brings comfort at Christmas is through promises fulfilled. We might have thought that Zechariah had been silent for a long time but it appeared that God had been silent for even longer. It had been 400 years since the last prophet, Malachi, as we heard earlier, and since then, nothing. And yet, amidst the silence, there was a rumor of hope that persisted, a rumor of hope that was rooted in the promises and the prophecies of old, like that prophecy from Isaiah that we read earlier, 700 years before Zechariah's time, capturing that sense of longing and expectancy for a king to come who would bring hope. Someone has said that hope is the feeling we have, that the feeling we have is not permanent. Hope is the feeling we have, that the feeling we have is not permanent. And at times, during these long, dark centuries, God's promises must have seemed far from their fulfillment. Now, I don't know about you, but I get frustrated when God seems not to answer my prayers in the same week but God's timing is never behind schedule. And his purposes always come to pass. He never fails to fulfill his promises. And in our instantaneous world, where we expect things like that, in our instantaneous world, God calls his people to wait and to long and to expect to long for God to intervene. And in Zechariah's day, God was doing exactly that. As thirdly, he was preparing a people. I don't know if you saw the the footage that that I think it was on um, Sky News earlier this year. And it was taken during the Earthshot Prize Awards held in London. Well, some diners were filmed ordering, they were outside, they were ordering their veggie burgers from a van, from a burger van. And the staff member, one of the staff members in this burger van takes their order and then shouts, he repeats their order to the chef who stood behind him and and the chef has his back towards the customers. And then the chef turns round to give them their food. And at that moment gives them not only a veggie burger but the surprise of their lives because the chef was actually Prince William. And they were shocked to meet the future king in such an unexpected place. It was a surprise royal appearance. And that must have taken a lot of preparation. But that was nothing compared to the preparation that the surprise royal visit took. And those preparations were to fall on the shoulders of Zechariah and Elizabeth's son, John. And Zechariah moves on in his song to speak of what God will do, from speaking of what God will do to how he will do it. How God will fulfill his promise. How he will redeem his people. How he will bring peace. And we can picture in in his song, Zechariah turning to his young son and speaking words over him that will tell the role that he will play in preparing God's people. Have a look at the, the words towards the end of the song. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And the final words of Zechariah's song, actually they move beyond his son to the Lord Jesus, who will follow. Because Zechariah's song actually isn't, it's not about him. It's not about his son, but it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who fourthly brings peace. And this arrival happens, look at the final part of the song, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and guide our feet into the path Of peace. Now, to be honest, this this imagery is a bit difficult for us to appreciate living in this world of electronic light and 24 7 living. But here, God's people are portrayed as a convoy that has got lost in the desert and has been overtaken by the darkness, real darkness of night. And they're stranded in the darkness in a lonely, howling expanse of wilderness. And there had been 400 years of long, lonely, silent darkness. No words of God to guide them, no prophet to turn to. They were living in darkness and in the shadow of death. I said a moment ago that it it might be hard for us to appreciate this kind of imagery, living in the world that we live in. But actually, these words and this imagery could well express how some amongst us today feel. Perhaps for you, these words do actually capture a sense of the experiences that you have gone through or that you're still going through. Darkness no light for the path. The shadow of death. If I could speak personally for a moment, as some of you know, the shadow of death fell upon our family at Christmas 10 years ago. I'll never forget the phone call that lunchtime telling us that my uncle to whom we were all very close had had a heart attack and died shortly afterwards. Death's dark shadow hung over us that Christmas and in the ones that followed. And I know that for some of you too, the joy of Christmas celebrations is tinged with heartache. The loss of loved ones or some other hurt or pain or worry or concern. And it casts its dark shadow over your life at this time and you long for comfort at Christmas. Well, this part of the Bible is all about the The big, the big, the fulfillment of all the Bible story. The big story. God's big promises being fulfilled. And yet in the midst of that, it's the hopes and the fears of ordinary people. People like Zechariah and Elizabeth. People like you and me. They're not forgotten. In the midst of that big drama are countless smaller scenes all known to God, all precious to him. God brings us comfort at Christmas. After 400 years of darkness, Zechariah began to see that a new day was dawning, just a faint glow on the horizon. But knowing that with the birth of his son came the certainty of the sun rising to follow not far behind. And just look at those final words again and let these words give you God's comfort in Christ because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path. Of peace. I doubt that Zechariah's song made your Spotify-wrapped top songs this year. But as we listen to his song and the story behind his song, as he saw not just a rising sun, but the son of God who would be born and live and die and rise again, Will we come to our Saviour and Lord, Jesus Christ? Will we come with our stories and our longings? And will we find in the Prince of Peace comfort? Comfort this Christmas and forever. Christ is born for you. Christ is born for you. Christ is born for you.